0: Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom. But most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you. Belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so glad you could be here for this conversation today. I am your host, Michelle Donnelly. In this conversation today, I am joined by founder of The Life of a Single Mom, Jennifer Maggio. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. Jennifer does share a bit of her story and her single mom journey, but we also talk at great length about single motherhood as spiritual warfare. And this is something that I think every single mom should note, something that I learned only through my single motherhood experience. And I think it's going to change the way that you look at single motherhood. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with. But the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type Quiz, and you'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. I was not raised in a denomination that taught about spiritual warfare at all. This is something that I came to that the Lord really brought me to through my single motherhood journey. And it has absolutely shifted everything, knowing that not only has Jesus secured the victory for me and for all of us for all eternity, but that we have the power to walk in that victory on this side of eternity, too. Here's my conversation with Jennifer Maggio. Jennifer, I'm so glad to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast.
1: I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Jennifer, I'm really thrilled to get to sit down and just chat with you about your story today. You know, I'm in my single mom season in the midst of it. And for me, I find a lot of hope in hearing the stories of women who are either in this season or have been in this season, have walked this road, and just seeing what God is continuing to do through all of our lives. And I think it's important for all of us to recognize that our stories are just really so powerful in that way, that it's how we have continuity to see what the God of the Bible was doing in those pages, that He's still doing those same things in our own lives. I wanted to know, though, Jennifer, if you would start us off, you know, really early on in your journey, your journey does actually start in a single parent household. And I wanted to know if you would share about those early years, but also how they impacted the way that you felt that God viewed you and how you began to relate to Him as a young person.
1: Yeah. Um, so my mother was killed when I was very young. I was about 17 months old. Um, and so my dad became a single dad overnight. I think my mom was around 32 years old. Mm-hmm. And so he was devastated um, by the loss of my mom. And I have a twin sister. So he had little baby twins and um, found himself parenting alone. And I think um, that that trauma led him to make a lot of poor decisions through my, my young childhood years. Um, my dad went on to marry a total of six times um, and just looking for ways to medicate from the pain. I think um, he became a raging alcoholic and those marriages opened my home up to a lot of vulnerability in terms Mm -hmm. of The people that were um, caregivers for me. And so there were um, set relatives and friends and neighbors that uh, my sister and I were left in the care of where sexual assault and physical abuse became very much a part of my story early on. Um, And the thing that's so interesting about my story is that I also was, uh, my dad was a deacon in the local church. And so every time he remarried, we moved. Most people did not know the backstory. And so we cleaned up really well on Sunday mornings Mm -hmm. and Church was always part of my life. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was nine years old. Uh, walked down front, was baptized, and 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 I don't remember a time when I didn't know the gospel. Quite honestly, like I I can remember at three and four years old hearing, you know, memorizing the memory verses and and knowing the gospel. And so this uh, parallel between my dad being a single dad in a highly dysfunctional home that was probably perceived as functional on the outside, and this love of a heavenly father father that I could there was nothing that would separate me from his love and he was good and he was compassionate and he was full of mercy it was quite honestly a struggle that I had for many years of trying to understand that love um and to be clear I think my dad I certainly loved to the capacity he could I think he was the best dad that he could be with the skills he had but it doesn't compare at all to the love of a heavenly father and so when you don't have that As you well know, you chase it in all the wrong places. And so that was really kind of the launch of my single parenting experience long before I even knew what one was.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that a lot of us can point to something about the way that we were raised that created this just strange disconnect between knowing the love of a parent and how that reflects the love of God or mm-hmm. doesn't rather. And I think, you know, we know that nobody has perfect parents, right? We're all going to have some kind of gap in the way that we were raised that gives us some confusion about who God is and how he loves us and how he relates to us. But I think at our earliest stages that we are so loyal to our caregivers, even if they're not able to provide us with what we really even have as basic needs for love and belonging and care and those types of things. And It then, as you mentioned, starts to manifest though in ways as we move towards our teen years and things like that, where we do start to have these behaviors where we are seeking something that we don't even really fully recognize that we're missing.
1: Yeah. I think that um one of the things, and I'll just say this now because I know there are mamas that are listening right now that say, Oh my God, you know, I'm I'm already nervous about my parenting. And I just want to say that uh there's grace, even for my dad and and some of the failures that he had, some of the the places where he thought he was doing the best that he could. And then looking back, obviously it wasn't, or maybe he was functioning out of his own pain you know, he had a son that died at 17 years old before my mother was killed. And so, my goodness, he had already suffered a lifetime of trauma before I was even old enough to talk. Yeah. Um, and so there's much grace for those times when he made mistakes. And um, although he's passed away now, we we had a wonderful relationship before he died. And um, and there was much forgiveness on both sides of, of the spectrum. So I just want to encourage a mom out there that may be listening, saying, there have been some things I've done that... That weren't great, and that I'm regretful of. There's yeah. mercy and grace today for you, and just know that um, that God rectifies all of the places and restores all the places where we do swing and miss sometimes.
0: Mm-mm. I really appreciate that you brought that in there. It is so important that where we have the ability to recognize some of the origins and things that we don't stop there. You know yeah. that we move forward to where where God is going to go with these things in our stories. Would you continue then, Jennifer, and just share with us then how you progressed from that point into a single parenting experience of your own? And just as you were beginning to to walk that journey yourself, um, just what some of your thoughts and feelings were like in in those early days?
1: Um, So I graduated high school valedictorian, class president, um, homecoming court, you name it, and I achieved it. And I didn't realize at the time, but as I go back and look, I see that I was looking for validation everywhere. Like I I needed someone to see me, to uh, tell me that I had value, to tell me that I was worth something. There was great wound um, in terms of not having a mom. And I didn't obviously realize that at the time because I always had a stepmom. But I'm looking for validation from my dad. Um, I'm entering into sexual relationships as a teenager, looking for validation there and um, got pregnant twice in high school, um, both times were ended in miscarriage, um, and not a soul knew. I never told my parents, um, And then I got pregnant a third time in high school when I was a senior. And so I had scholarships to go to colleges all over the country. I had kind of all these big, big plans and dreams about what I was going to do. But I graduated high school six months pregnant. Um, I hid that pregnancy for several months. No one knew. Um, When my dad did find out, he kicked me out of the family home and I found myself homeless at 18, um, and really didn't know what plan B was. I really had no idea. My high school boyfriend went away to college, and I was just left trying to figure life out. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved into the local projects, got on food stamps and welfare, and you know, graduated in May with all of these big dreams. And yet by August, September, October, I am living in government housing with Nothing, mm-hmm. um, no furniture, no friends, um, had had been excommunicated for most of my family at that point in my story. And I um, don't even remember having held a baby before I gave birth to my son. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in labor for 21 hours, um, most of that completely alone, and just kind of held this little baby and thought, what am I going to do for the next 20 years? I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um and then my high school boyfriend, who I wound up being with for seven years, came home on college break, and I get, got pregnant again and wound up having two children by the time I was 19. Mm-hmm. And so I had perpetuated every stereotype that you read about in a single mom's life. Poverty. Um, I began to be very abusive to my children, um, primarily um emotional and mental abuse. But there were times when I would I spank them through anger. I can remember one time, you know, slapping my son across the face out of just sheer exhaustion and being immensely shamed by that. And so there were all these facets to the story that I know so many single mamas out there can relate to mm-hmm. of just being pressed from every side and being overwhelmed in every way, Um there's no rich uncle that's going to rescue me. There's no deep friend network of people that have been there and done that well. Yeah. I was at that time the only single mom that I knew and um, and just struggled for many years about how to do this well. Um, and so I've probably tried everything that didn't work. Um, and, and really is the reason that I do much of what I do today is to try to share the wisdom I learned along the journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. During that season, Jennifer, where did you sense that when you were in your relationship to the Lord, where did you sense that He was in that?
1: Oh, great question. I think, um, you know, I was on fire for God at a very early age and can remember. I mean, I was, uh, you know, daily devotional, even even when my home was dysfunctional and and my parents weren't facilitating that, I was very much on fire for God. I prayed. Um, And then I, I often say that I put God on the back burner and boys Mm -hmm. on the front burner. And that's where he sat for a long time. Mm -hmm. Not because he left me, but because I left him. I was no Mm -hmm. longer interested in things of God. And I was looking for ways to medicate all the pain. And so, um, when I was 19, um, God spoke to me that I was going to one day be ministering to single moms. And I think it's so important in the story to note that I'm still, you know, living with my child's father on again, mm. off again in that realm. I am shutting the clubs down most Friday and Saturday nights. Um, I'm in church on Sunday mornings, mm. but God showed me that I would be serving single moms. I didn't know how. I ser- certainly was well uh, ill-equipped in every way, but I, I put that kind of thought that that burden out of my mind for a long time, mm. um, fell away from church for a long time because of the shame. And when I look back now, I see God's hand in every piece of the story. But did I see it then? No, of course yeah. not. At, at mm-hmm. that point, I was convinced that God didn't exist, or if He did, He certainly didn't love me. Um, I was convinced that I had done too much and gone too far for, you know, the God of all hope to redeem me. Um, I cried out to God very often, brokenhearted, and at a place where I could barely function, um, at, at one point even being suicidal, that I didn't think that I could go on. And so I didn't think that God cared. Mm-hmm. Um I was so broken and so hurt, but now I can see. um, And and I think it's so important for the listeners out there because I think it's important to recognize that it didn't matter to me in the middle of the valley that God would use my story to bless others later. It it didn't matter to me that that this would all work for the good of those who love the Lord. None of that mattered. I wanted God to rescue me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what mattered. That's what the prayer was, was to reach down and pluck me out of my misery. And, um, and the answers were there all along. I just was not strong enough. I was not wise enough. I was not equipped yet to begin to take that journey. But uh, but praise God for it now. Yeah. And praise God for the abuse. Praise God for the dysfunction. Praise God for all of the places that I've been, because I think it's been an encouragement to so many others that, that God redeems even the messiest of stories.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that you said there right in the middle, the fact that, In the moment, you did not care if God could use this for good or if He was going to bless other people with it. Because I think sometimes, you know, it can be preached to us that there's purpose in our pain and and there's truth to that. But when I'm in the pain, that doesn't mean anything to me. My ability to go and minister and help somebody else when I am still in the pit, there's just too big of a disconnect there. And I think in many cases, though, we also have not yet really experience, though, what we have to receive before we get to the purpose. That God wants to bless us with a knowledge of Him that comes through relationship, that comes through rescue, that comes through our experience with Him, that He wants us to know a peace, that our circumstances actually are the exact opposite. Our circumstances are the lack of peace. It is what it is to be in the fallen world. But that by him stepping into those situations with us, walking it with us, that we gain that love, that knowledge of his love, that knowledge of his peace, that that is where our purpose really does flow from, and we can't skip over that if we're going to just try to move into. Well, there's a purpose for this. We're not. We don't really have anything that we're sharing at that at that instance, really.
1: Yeah. It, it sounds like Christianese. It's, mm-hmm. it's flippant. It is, yeah. um, you know, and when you're in the middle of that and someone's attempting to minister to you and they say there's purpose in this, yeah. I mean, y- you might want to scratch their eyeballs out. You uh-huh. know, you cares. <laughs> like I, I just want my kids to be okay. I just yes. want to be okay. And I just want to know that this is going to end. Yeah. And I think the other component of that that's so difficult for us is that we don't know when it's going to end, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's your single parenting journey that's going to end or whether it's your financial difficulties or whether it's Parenting season—that's particularly hard. That you're desperate to end. Um, when we're in the middle of it, we don't know when the end date is, yeah. and so it's there's so much that you learn through it. And all of all of us, we look back on seasons of our life and say, "Wow, I would not have this but for that experience," or "I would not." be who I am today, but for that experience. But in the middle of it, there has to be this tenacity to just keep pressing in and being persistent and seeking the throne room of God in order to push past it. And it doesn't matter how you feel. And that's a word for somebody out there today. It does not matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if you feel stressed or overwhelmed or that God abandoned you or that He doesn't care. Those things don't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, What matters is the truth of God's Word. And so there were days when I was standing on that when I was, I mean, on the brink of disaster in every way, that I just kept standing on the promises of God. I can remember, uh, you know, I I was a young Baptist girl and we used to sing a hymn called um, Standing on the Promises of God. And um, my pastor at the time, you know, I can remember just funny the things that stand out to you. But I can remember we would sing the first stanza, sitting, and then he would always proclaim, "We can't stand on the promises of God." Sitting, and we would all kind of stand, and it was this funny little kind of comical thing we mm-hmm. did. But I can remember in the midst of my pain, saying over and over the words of that that song: "Standing on the promises of God," "Standing on the promises of God," despite what I see, despite how I mm-hmm. feel, "Standing on the promises of God." And um. And, you know, and even now, as we sit here, Michelle, I want to be super clear that just because I happen to be married now or just because I happen to be in full-time vocational ministry, there are plenty of problems to go around today, just like there were 25 years ago um, and just like there were 10 years ago. There are things that press me um, even today, but I have learned how to fight and I have learned Ephesians 6, what it is to war in the spirit realm in a way that I didn't know when I was a young single mama yeah. I was just trying to survive.
0: Yes, yes, same, 100%. It it is amazing, you know, just how in these things that we would sense are are the end, you know that this is the thing that's going to take me out, that we do discover through the spirit what we don't see in the spirit, that what what we're experiencing in the earthly realm is not not the full picture, and that sometimes because we're in those really difficult spots, it forces us to then begin to ask these questions, you know, and that's where we do have doubt. As you said, you know, we're going to have doubt. We might be angry. We might feel God abandoned us. We may have all of those thoughts. God can handle those. And that when we come to Him, though, with our questions, He starts to reveal to us new things and new truths and new power and all of that, that we have a new sense of like, wait a minute, I'm I'm in the middle of something, but it's not only what I see. There are some other spiritual realities that are going on here. And that I do have an enemy who would like to see very much that I buckle under all of these circumstances. And that, but in that, I also have a God though, who is, he's chasing after me. I think that was, that's the thing in this season that I just keep seeing. And I'm even just in the bits we've heard of your story so far, like he is chasing after us. He's pursuing us because he wants for us to just allow ourselves to pull back, even though from the circumstances to really peek behind the veil and just see how much power he does have on our side. He is for us.
1: Yeah. And I think too, that it's so important that we remember that much of when when you're feeling pressed and when you're feeling um, overwhelmed in every way, you're you're looking for the temporary quick fix. Like you're Mm -hmm. looking for just relief from the pain and from the pressing. And so often that leads us to this place of if I can just get relief for today. um, And that means if I can, if I, you know, eat the honey bun, if I if mm-hmm. I drink the drink, if I have yep. sex with the guy, if I right. do whatever the temporary mask is to the pain, that it's relief for today. Mm. And what we don't recognize is that when we're doing that, we are piling on more and more and more challenge that we have to later undo, that we mm-hmm. have to later walk out the consequence of. And I think when I look back on my single parenting journey, especially in those early years, I was with my children's father for seven years. Um, I had obviously a soul tie to him. You know, we were never married and and I uh, gosh, <laughs> the complications of that story we don't have time to go into, mm-hmm. but lots of infidelity, lots of um producing other children that are the same age as my kids and just mm-hmm. kind of all of these things. And And yet I kept holding on Uh, physical abuse and I just kept holding on and holding on and holding on. And I think it was because nothing in my life had worked out. You know, Mm my mom, my mom passed away. Eventually my dad died at 21 uh, or when I was 21. I I had no one. My grandparents were dead. All my aunts and uncles were dead. It just everything had fallen apart at every mm-hmm. turn. And so I needed to make this relationship work, even if it was the most dysfunctional on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so it was also temporary relief. If you if would just call me today, if he if we could just pretend to be a family today, if we could just go walk around the mall together today, then I could just pretend for today that it's okay. And I think that's sometimes where moms will get where you're just looking for relief today. Um, you're on the job that you know you're not supposed to be on, that you're not called to, but you've, you've got it for today. You're in the relationship. You God didn't ordain for you to be in but it's it's comfortable for today even if you're miserable
0: yeah. it's
1: comfortable for today and I had to get to a place where I was no longer comfortable being uncomfortable. I, I was no longer okay with settling for anything less than God's best. Mm. And I think once you get there, you'll run. Like you you will run so fast towards the yeah. things of God because the club no longer satisfied and the dead end relationships didn't satisfy and the overspending money I didn't have or putting my children in Nike shoes when I couldn't afford them. None of those things satisfied. Yeah. Um, only God did. Um, and I've never been so full of joy in my whole life, even despite you know the things that I face today because I know the God of all hope. like I know the God that's going to show up in this season the same way he did in the last. And because of that, I just have it just have a um a, a hope that's unmovable and mm-hmm. and um, and we need that. Those mamas out there need it. All of us do.
0: yeah. Jennifer, where did that shift come from? Can you think of a moment or a season? where the lights just kind of came on, like, I don't even want to go in this direction anymore.
1: Yeah, well, I think um, I would say this. every pastor on the planet would love for me to say that I was sitting in um, in a service and the message was so transformational that an altar moment changed my life. There were a hundred altar moments. I was at the altar every time the doors opened probably and I was on my knees at the altar getting prayer and, and all of the things. But, um, but I saw life transformation gradually. There was not one thing that happened. It was seeds that were planted where I became less and less content with the world. Mm. Um, and so even in the midst of, a lot of the decisions I was making. Once I reacclimated to the church, I really never left the church again. I was going to church two or three times a week, even when there was a lot of sin in my life and things that I knew did not honor the Lord. It was important for me to have my children in church. Mm. And I can remember one Sunday, um, I had relocated to another town and I was still kind of on again, off again with my children's father, even though I knew it didn't work. And we were in church together one Sunday. He had come up to visit me and I was praying, I was getting more and more and more on fire for God. And I can remember praying that Sunday saying, God, please, I just want my family, like I want my children to have the white picket fence. I want them to have their mom and dad, like, please, God, change his heart, make him want the things of you make Him, set Him on fire for you and make Him want the things of you. And the Holy Spirit, which may sound so odd, but I can only tell you what my experience was. The Holy Spirit whispered deep within me, stop praying for me to change His heart and start praying for me to change yours. Mm. And it was a revelation I had in that moment to just begin that God would work on my heart. Because the reason I couldn't move on from the relationship was because of the soul tie. The reason Mm. I wasn't able to move into the things of God is because I needed a heart shift. And once I began praying that prayer, here's what happened. I no longer wanted that relationship. I did not hate him. I was not angry. I was content being alone. And I had never been content being alone in my life. Mm. I didn't need him to complete me. I didn't need anyone else to complete me. It was just me and Jesus. And I became okay with it just being me and the kids and walking out this thing with the Lord, because I had actually convinced myself that no good Christian man would ever want me anyway, because I had so much baggage and there were so many things that are part of my story that would be complicated for any future spouse. And that's when things began to change. When I was able to leave that relationship behind, everything in my life shifted. But it was a it, it was a long journey. We had been together a long time and, um, and I didn't even understand what soul ties were at that time. Nobody had yeah. ever taught me that. That was certainly not something that my church taught me. And once I got free, I mean, I ran. Mm. (laughs) I I ran as fast as I could from it because I saw the filth for what it was. Mm. I I, I could look back and I could see what it was. And it was nothing but something that was choking me, um, that was killing me from the inside out.
0: Yeah, wow. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. I I completely resonate with what you're talking about. And if you would for a moment, though, I'd love if you would speak to Soul Ties a little bit. I think um, many of us have had this experience, but can't put really a finger on it.
1: Yeah. So uh, soul ties in its shortest form are spiritual ties. You'll read about spiritual ties in the Bible, but you won't really see the term soul ties. It's really just what kind of language we've put around as believers, what it is in the um, supernatural realm and the heavenly realm to connect to another person. And so that soul ties generally come through a sexual relationship relationship through an oath, or through a deep friendship. And so soul ties can be healthy. And they're wonderful in the, um, for example, a um, relationship in marriage where you're sexually committed to your husband. And obviously, we know sex is pure and good in in the confines of marriage. But when you've entered into a sexual relationship with someone that you're not married to, or perhaps someone that you were once married to that you're no longer married to, and sexual relationship is in the broad sense of the term. And so we're not just talking about intercourse, we're talking about everything in relation to sex. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're coming into agreement with that person in the spirit realm. And what happens is, if you don't intentionally break the soul tie. They are forever connected to you. And why does this matter? If you are wondering whether or not you have a soul tie with someone, here's how you know. You think about them, uh, you dream about them, you uh, search them in social media long after you should be past the relationship or perhaps you are past the relationship 10 years ago and he enters your mind again and you feel the need to go and look him up on social media or Google. These are key indicators that there are soul ties. Now, I've done a ton of teaching on soul ties, and I know we don't have time to get into that today, but I I think it's so important that we broach this subject because I couldn't understand why. Yeah, I couldn't get past the relationship, Mm -hmm. Um, even though I knew God didn't want it for me. And even though I was on fire for the Lord, I couldn't understand. And so I really had to go through the process of breaking those soul ties off my life. And even um, childhood uh, sexual trauma, even, um, uh, you know, teen sexual encounters, all of that had to be broken off my life in order for me to walk into sexual purity.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important that we recognize this because if you looked only at like the psychological realm, for example, they would just say that this is like codependency, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, you know? But it's like the emotional and spiritual connections that we have with people run so much deeper than that. So you could, a lot of times, you could go to therapy, you could do these things, but you're gonna find yourself continuing to hit this dead end if you don't understand that there is this bond between you and this other person that does need to be severed. And spiritually, that we also can ask for the Holy Spirit's help to say, help me flee this thing. I know that you've already shown me this is not a good thing, that this is something that is not of you, and I don't want it in my life. And that He can continue to empower us in ways that going to therapy, for example, doesn't bring us to. And that it draws us then again closer to the Lord, that the things that have either happened to us or that we've done, that we have the ability through these these experiences to turn again to the Lord experiences power experiences freedom and that then as you said we don't have appetites then for these things anymore we're not obsessing with this with over this person anymore because we're starting to remove that tie and realign our allegiance and our agreement back towards the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and that's really what yeah that's what we're, we're pointing towards.
1: Right. And I think that this is the reason this subject is so important is because I'm thinking about moms who the only way they're able to move on past a prior relationship is to get into a new one Mm. um, because you you haven't broken the soul tie. And so the temporary satisfaction of the new relationship fulfills you for a season. And then you've got, you know, eight relationships deep, 18 relationships deep. You're just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the soul tie thing. But I want to say this too, because I think it's so important for the conversation, um, is that we must recognize the authority we have in Christ Jesus. He's already paid for complete freedom. So Mm -hmm. it's not God's intention for you to be bound in any area, and certainly soul ties being one. And so there is Hope for you if you find yourself in this place of like, hey, you don't even know how many partners or maybe I don't even know how many partners I've had at this point in my journey or or all of the people where I vowed in junior high, I'll never find someone else. But you Mm. or all these kind of verbal uh, affirmations that we've made coming into an agreement and alignment with the enemy. But here's what's important to understand. We have all the authority as co-heirs in Christ Jesus. And so because we do, those things cannot take dominion in our life once mm. we decree and declare the word of the Lord, once we put them on notice, and once we break all legal access in our life. Mm. Once those things happen, there is freedom. It is promised. God can't help but fulfill his promises. He's not a man that he would lie. And so once you understand, and if there's something shifting in your spirit right now, I'm just going to encourage you to research this topic. You can, you can hop on to, many of the resources and maybe Michelle you'll share some of those but we've done so much teaching on this where I believe God's just going to set some people free as a result of you watching this or listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. I love I just love so much that you're encouraging this. I'm even just feeling the the freedom just the I just am remembering early in my single mom journey that I went through a very specific uh, resource um, about breaking off so many things you know generational type things and soul ties and just um, even just other places, though, maybe where you've dabbled in like new age type stuff yeah. or things that are not of God, you know, that these are all places where we can have open doors to the enemy having access to our lives where he harasses us and he discourages us and he does all. Of, he. We We have some spaces that we have the ability, though, to say, I don't want that influence. That I don't want. I want to shut that door. I want to close it. I see it. I'm. I'm done with this. You know. And again, we can look at things that maybe we were raised up in, or that happened to us that we didn't have control over, and we can look at things that we do have control over that maybe we're done and we have have walked away from, but we don't feel free from, or that maybe we're still engaged with. That God is in a process of continually setting us free. That where we have been freed for all all time. That we for all eternity have the blood of Jesus covering us, rescuing us, saving us from from sin for all time, that we can start to walk in the freedom in this life, that we don't have to wait for heaven to start feeling free and to start walking in that authority. And I'm so grateful that you pointed towards this because I was not raised this way. I was not raised in a denomination that taught this way, but in my single mom journey found the, the understanding of these spiritual things. And this is very, very key to where so much freedom, so much healing, so much restoration, all of these things that where I have lack, I have the ability to say, no, I actually have more. And it centers on this. these very things that we are talking about in learning what authority you have as a child of God to take back your life from the enemy and what he has tried to do. Yeah,
1: it's not God's intention that we limp through life. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, in November of 2020, um, the Holy Spirit prompted me very clearly of saying everything you've done in the prior season for single moms is great. Um, I, I think our ministry maybe at that point had served around uh, 650 or so thousand single mothers. It's like that's great, that well done, good and faithful servant. But the hour has come where teaching twelve parenting tips won't cut it. Mm. Uh, teaching, you know, the money management skills won't cut it. Those things are important, and those are life skills that are necessary. And we've done tons of teaching on that. But you got to teach women how to warn the spirit realm. What's really going on in the lives of single mom led families is that they don't know. That they are warring for their children. They don't understand why the children are so angry that they're trashing the place and they're punching holes in the walls and there's extreme profanity and anger. And we are taking back the nation for the cause of Christ and we are doing it coming against the fatherless generation that has risen up. It's a spirit and it's so important that in this hour that we educate single moms on the fact that your spiritual life is the most important thing that you need to get in order. You think it's your checkbook and you think it's this side hustle and you think it's an entrepreneur opportunity and all those things are great. And God can bless it. But the truth of the matter is, is if we don't get our spiritual life right, if we don't understand what it is to operate in authority, if we don't understand what it is to take back our homes for the Lord, then we are fighting a losing battle. And so this is, you know, I certainly didn't think that this was the the direction that the (laughs) prophet was going to go, but man, what an important topic because I have seen women, um, once the Lord showed me that I did a, um, this was in November and in December, we did a single mom's Christmas party here in our local area i still serve um very faithfully to my local church and um there were maybe 3 or 400 moms at that event it was it was a larger event and i did an altar call and i and i taught on these things these deeper spiritual things which you know you know at a christmas party you're not teaching all these things you're it's, it's happy you're talking about hope you know right. um, you're giving the 12 tips on how to survive christmas <laughs> the lord really impressed on my spirit that we we have to go after the deep things and we have to really um teach the things that scripture teaches, despite nice. what religion taught us in a prior season in another denomination or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did and I did an altar call and about 65 or so women came down to the front to receive Jesus. But here was what was um, even more um, amazing about that was that when I came off the stage and I was talking to the, there were several women standing on the side that I was talking to and there were six women standing there that were all suicidal leading into that event that the enemy had convinced them that it was better for them to take their own life than to continue to trek through this single body journey. And when you expose the thing that no longer has dominion over your life, when you shine light on the issue. And so we were able to really save these women's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a, what I've seen is the more we pull the covers back, the more we talk about the deep spiritual things, we get into scripture and actually understand yeah. Jesus' ministry on the earth, the more free people get. And we don't have to worry about a perpetuation of single motherhood after single motherhood generation or, or eight children outside of marriage or some of these things that we're now facing. And let me say, if that's you, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Honey, I've been there, done that. I understand it. But Mm -hmm. I also know that it stops with me and that my grandchildren and their children will live a different life because Mm -hmm. I've chosen to have freedom in my own. Um, And so I just hope that's encouragement for somebody out there today.
0: Yeah. You know, and what I've seen in this single mother journey is how much I was eyes closed to the spiritual battle, didn't even see it. Um, That in my life prior and in being married, that I was seeking after the white picket fence, that that was what I consumed all my thoughts, all my energy. And yes, I was going to church on Sunday and all those sorts of things. But I really just had no view to what what is really happening and where you're talking about, thank you, Lord, for waking me up through some of these really hard things that we actually, once we are awake to it, because we're disappointed by the world, because we've been hurt by the world, because we have even chased things that have let us down, that we pull back from that and then say, like, as I said earlier, like, okay, like what really actually is going on here that we are actually so much more equipped because we are now disappointed by the world to find out what the things of God are and then to look back towards ourselves, our circumstances, our kids, the other people in our lives and go, y'all, this is not it. This Mm -hmm. is not it. Like, all parenting is spiritual warfare, but as you just alluded to, especially single parenting, single motherhood, being deep spiritual warfare, that there are things that have tried to come against generations of our family that if you're waking up to this, you are the chain breaker. You are the one that you get to see that the, the eyes are open and there is there is pain and there is suffering and there is hardship and persecution in having your eyes open. But there is also, man, the awareness of the presence and the power and the peace and the fullness of God in that. And it is, it is all of it. And that is what it is to be fully alive on this side of eternity is you're gonna, you're gonna hold all of that. You're gonna hold the the the, the strife and the trauma and all of the pain. But you're also gonna get to hold that victory. And that it truly is though, and I, I had a you know just I've had visions of these things where it's like God is raising up single mothers. God is raising up those who the world would look at as foolish to show what true wisdom is, to show what godly wisdom is in these things. That it's okay if other people don't understand us. It's okay if other people, I, mean, I don't wanna say it's okay, like it's fine, but that mm-hmm. that is not where we need to spend our energy. That's a distraction, that our energy can be spent on healing, as you said ourselves, or allowing the spirit to heal us, healing our children, that letting our homes be places where the healing takes root, and then spreading that out to the people that God would send us to, maybe who are walking similar circumstances to us, that that's where we have a very direct impact is in the lives of people who are walking similar things, yeah. but that we where, where we would feel lack or disadvantage or being forgotten, abandoned, you know, those sorts of things that we have actually so much to gain in the spirit because of the pain and the rejection and the suffering that we're experiencing in this journey.
1: Yeah, it's so true. I think it's important that you know, many of our critics that are um, that are kind of lurking out there and 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 say, well, you're advocating for divorce, you're mm-hmm. advocating for single parenthood, you're advocating for anti-biblical principles. Of course, we're not. Yeah. Of course, we're not. We, right. I, I, I would love to work myself out of a job one day. I would love that marriage has lasted forever. And I would love that there would be no children birthed outside of marriage or or no death or, or any of these things that really result in single parenthood. Mm-hmm. But here's what I know is that there are 20 plus million single moms in this country today. And God did not say, I am done with them, that there's no hope, that there's no redemption. There is a story that's not yet been heard through these mothers' lives. And if we can somehow... Um, reach these moms for the cause of Christ, teach them these deep spiritual things, teach them what it is to raise those babies up in the way that they should go, then it stops with this generation. I think the government has poured a lot of resources into it. There are a lot of businesses trying to figure out what the answer is, but Jesus is the X factor. And so make no mistake, your your ministry, my ministry, our ministries are not advocating for more single motherhood, right. certainly not. We're not even suggesting that this is the ideal, but what we're saying is what do we do with our flour and oil now? Like, what do we do at this point when we are left with this? How do we make it into something that honors the Lord? And Mm. so I think that's what I look back on my life and say, no, I would love for my children to have had their dad around for, uh, for me to have waited until marriage to be sexually active and all the the check marks, but that's not what happened. Um, And so where do we go from here? Yeah. And God can still use my kids and He can still use me. And mamas out there need to know that, that despite how your story started, there's still a story that's being written and yeah. God's going to use it. And it's going to be an encouragement to so many, whether it's your children, whether it's just like one day your children will rise and call you blessed and say, mama, I remember when we didn't have much and you did this thing. There are things that you are developing right now that are memories for your children that you, don't, you won't even remember, but they will. Yeah but maybe it's another single mom in your church maybe it's a single mom that's a coworker of yours there are people that need you to make it they need your story to turn out okay yes. that's that's kingdom impact mm-hmm. um and so just be encouraged today mamas you are doing a good job and god is with you and you cannot fail
0: mm. So good. Jennifer, we've got through some of the earlier part of your story. I'd love if you would help us, you know, get to the point of like, where how you got to where you are now. So we talked about, you were going back to church, you were starting to have this sense of, I got to break off these soul ties and and this relationship and those sorts of things. What was your journey like then? As you had this vision, you knew that you were going to be ministering to single moms, you know, and that sort of thing. How did the Lord carry you through that season?
1: Yeah, I, um, I wound up um, relocating into the community where I live now, um, and it was just myself and the children, and I'm going to church, and I'm kind of just, you know, just living my life. I wound up meeting my now husband. Um, he was a co-worker at the job I was at at the time, and really, we kind of did have that the white picket fence and the happily ever after in some regards. He adopted my two children. And I really was never going to share my story again. In fact, I had never shared it publicly at this point. And the Lord never allowed me to forget those moments on the bathroom floor, suicidal, those moments of being a single mom with not two pennies to rub together, those moments of feeling completely alone. And so um, I went to my local church in 2006 and asked if I could start a single mom's Bible study and told them up front that I didn't think I knew enough of the word and I didn't think that I was equipped to do it. But would they allow me to start a single mom's Bible study? And it was no for a year. Mm. Um, and so I had to be patient in the no. Um, I had to serve other people's visions and dreams in the no, and eventually got a yes and started a single mom's Bible study at my local church with three single moms in my living room. And it was really just pouring out everything that I had learned. What were the things that I had tried that didn't work? How did I get off food stamps and welfare? How did I uh, find success in parenting? Like all of the things that I knew, I just was getting together with them, lining up it up with biblical principles and teaching. Um, there was not much content on the market at that time. There certainly was nothing in the in regards to how to do single moms ministry well at that time. Yeah. And so I just was learning. Um, About six months later, three single moms turned into 75 single moms and we became one of the largest ministries at the church very quickly. Today, um, 16 years later, we have about... Seven or 800 or so now that are involved in that ministry. I still serve there. It's my local church. I still volunteer. I think that's very important. But what the Lord showed me as this was getting bigger and bigger was that we were developing a template that churches were going to be able to use around the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I left my job in 2008, maybe 2009. I began to write books about single motherhood and what I had learned and petitioned the church pretty boldly about why ministry for single moms was important and then now the ministry kind of burst out of that it's it's interesting we um we're in our 11th year officially as a ministry and um gosh the journey's been such a wild ride i'm sure i'll look back 10 years from now and say that again but god's been faithful to show me what is the thing that's needed today mm. and and what i know has been needed in this in this season is churches rising up and trying to understand why two out of three single moms don't go to church. What are the things we're lacking? How do we introduce them to the real Jesus, not the one that we have created, not the judgmental, let's beat them over the head with the Bible and let them know about all the sin in their life while we're yeah. gluttonous with a secret porn addiction.
0: Yeah. Let's
1: yeah. get Let's get to the yeah. matter and let's minister to these mamas and then teach churches how to do that well. Um, and so that's really what the, our ministry has been about is to teach them. And then out of that has morphed other programs that serve single moms directly, but it's, it's been, you know, I was in corporate America for a long time and I learned a lot of skills there that I can see how God used in this season. Yeah. Uh, I could I, he used the pain of another season, you know, so it's like all the pieces of the puzzle are connecting. Um, and I'm excited to see what that looks like 10 years or 20 years from now, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, what I love hearing in your story is that God wastes nothing, yeah. that every piece of it is intentional The pain things, even like the no season, you know, or serving other people's dreams, the corporate experience, you know, it's just he pulls all these things together that as we continue to just journey with him and walk with him, he shows the intention for why he has us going through certain things or experiencing certain things or waiting on certain things that he's continued to write a story that we could never truly imagine and guiding us towards just deeper and deeper relationship with Him. And as you said, knowing Him as He truly is, not how we may have been taught that He was or we may have sensed that He was, that He wants very much for us to just have that deep, deep intimacy with Him and experience Him just off the page, you know, and and just truly in our souls find just refuge and peace
1: so true.
0: Jennifer, at the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be?
1: Don't give up. Uh, to keep fighting that God is with you and if He's with you you cannot fail Um, that you are stronger than you think you are through Christ Jesus you can do all things that there is hope and there is joy and there is purpose in every piece of the story that your children are going to be okay that your finances are going to supernaturally work out and there will be even a story in the midst of that that God's provision is good for today and it will be good for tomorrow as well Um, there's so much I could say to a single mom but, um, but just keep on on, keeping on, hang on, because there is so much joy. I look at, I, I'm a grandmother now, and I, I look at my my adult children, and I think, oh my God, how did we make it? God is good, and He is faithful, and it is only a testament to His goodness that, um, that my kiddos are where they are today. So, mm-hmm. Mama, you can do it. And we love you so much. We pray for you often. There's an army that is praying for you that you would make it. And I also just want to say this to somebody. Revival starts with you. It starts in your home. It starts in your parenting. It starts in what you're doing on your job. It starts in your sexual purity. It starts in your church. It can start with you. And there's a rising that's taking place around the country in single mama-led homes. Michelle God showed me the exact same thing. And that we are all called to do our part. And there's something amazing that is taking place when you do what God's called you to do. So um so be mindful of that. Your spiritual warfare journey is, is not for naught.
0: Mm. Yes and amen. I'm receiving every bit of that. And I'm just so, so grateful for the work that you all are doing in this space. It just has touched my life so much. And I'm so thankful.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the work that you do and um, and for being part of our ministry and encouraging others. We're grateful yeah. for
0: that. Yeah. Jennifer, would you tell listeners how they can find out more about the life of a single mom?
1: Yes. If you just visit thelifeofasinglemom.com, we have um, all of our social media channels there. We talk a lot about the different ways that we can serve you as a ministry. We can serve your church. Um, we talk, uh, we have lots of free videos and podcasts and ebooks and all of the things that maybe you would need in a, in a season. to encourage you. And I, and I would be remiss, Michelle, I know you're going to be part of our conference this year to just not mention that um, we have a national single moms conference that we host annually. And maybe you listened to this a year from now. Maybe, maybe you're not listening to this in 2022. Um, I'll say we do that every year in a different city and state. And um, this year in 2022, we already have, um, I think, almost 40 states that are registered where women are coming in from all over the country. Um, There's virtual viewing options. And it's just uh, there's a stirring in my spirit that the power Mm -hmm. of God is going to move in that place. And whether Mm -hmm. you're watching in your living room in Buffalo, New York, or whether you are in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with us, that there is a shift that's coming and it's going to change your life and that of your children. So if you're listening to this before October the 21st and 22nd, get registered. It's absolutely free free, and God's going to change
0: your life. Mm. And I will put links in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners to find the resources and the, the registration. But again, Jennifer, just thank you so much for spending time with me today.
1: God bless you. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer, I've got a couple others you might enjoy listening to as well. Check out episode 120, Life Can Be Good Again, Loss and Lack Transformed by the Goodness of God with Lisa Apollo. Also, check out episode 118, Distress and Deliverance, Understanding the Heart of God in the Midst of Suffering with Jen Wilkin. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plus1.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are. Beloved.